everyone! Welcome back to Tudor Talk Time. So this week we're going to be talking about the field of the cloth of gold. And we reference the field of the cloth of gold. Have we? Quite a lot. Do we? No. Okay, okay, we do. Especially Um, in our sort of Catherine Barrigan episode. (laughs) (laughs) Reading flu. I didn't even go to Reading. Anyway, so some people call the field of the cloth of gold the eighth wonder of the world, but I think we're going to figure out whether it really was that wonderful. Right? Okay. Yeah. Let's set the scene. I can set the scene, maybe. Um, so we have already know quite a lot about Henry VIII. Would you agree, Lara? Yeah. So he came to the throne in 1509, and his big sort of thing was he wanted honour and glory on the battlefield. He wanted to be like Henry V. Uh, and this was just, you know, his, his dream, his aspiration in life. Yeah. So also, you need to remove the image that you have in your head of this grumpy, fat, gout-riddled, middle-aged man. You have to remember with Henry is that he wasn't actually made to be ruler, you know? So Arthur... <laughs> What? This is relevant. This is relevant. Arthur died when he was young. Henry, when he came to the throne, he has to really prove himself and he has to like overcompensate and be like more stereotypically masculine. And like, also, what the people of the time would have considered great is probably what we would not consider great. So we're not, (laughs) we're not big on war. As a general rule. (laughs) We quite like peace. But you know what? People at the time wanted war. They loved a war. I quite imagine, apart from the sort of human tragedy aspect, that it was quite a bit like a a sort of premiership, premier league championship football. I don't know what football reference you're trying to make. Um, uh, Champions (laughs) League... And you know, well, Henry VIII, he was really athletic. He played a lot of sport. He was 17 when he came to the throne. So he could show that, and this is going to lead to some problems. But on the other side of the field of the cloth of gold, we have almost a mirror image of Henry himself, and we have King Francis I. So he was equally athletic and ambitious and full of himself, frankly. And at this stage... In you look at kind of Europe as a whole, you have to see that you've got Charles V, Henry VIII, and Francis the First. First, and the three of them were all young, power-hungry, ambitious men, and that in itself is just going to create like a little hot pot of tension and Absolutely. ambition, and they're all going to be competing against each other, but they also all want to be the best. They're all going to overdo it. And a wonderful example of this is the 1513 Battle of the Spurs. So this is really the primary moment in which Henry has an opportunity to display himself as this military leader. In 1513, Henry VIII actually invades France and he gains Ferroin and Tournai. So this just, it's not even a massive victory, to be honest. It was a bit of a, like, whatever victory... But to give the context, the England and France weren't exactly besties, really, in the 15-teens. And, yeah, Francis was a little a little bit upset, but he did have his own military victories. Henry also, bear in mind, 
already feels even more inferior because mm-hmm. he's got England, which is not the biggest country. It's not the most successful. It's got weak military, weak finances. And so he he's a bit of an idiot because he like wants war, but he obviously can't pay for any of that. So we have the 1518 Treaty of London, which is basically just like a get together in London where loads of ambassadors come and they promise to kind of be friends forever, which didn't work that well. We had, we had a bit of death. Yeah, so they just kind of confirmed that allyship and that they'd be peaceful, like they yeah. wouldn't start unnecessary wars, which obviously, like, we know is not carried through. <laughs> it's very quickly abandoned. And it's very, very quickly abandoned because in February 1519, the previous Holy Roman Emperor died and Charles of Spain becomes the Holy Roman Emperor. And so now he's, Charles V is in charge of Austria, Poland, Switzerland, Germany, the Low Countries, as well as Spain. And so he basically controls the majority of Europe. And that is like a huge amount of land to be in control of. And that puts him in a really, really powerful position. And this means obviously that there are really, really high tensions between Charles and Henry and Francis, because they all want to prove themselves as the strongest, as the best leader. And also, Francis and Henry are going to be really threatened by the fact that Charles is all this land. And that means they can really see how important it is that they make an alliance and that they're on good terms so that they're united against Charles. They know how important it is that they meet. Henry actually says he promises to not shave his beard until the two of them meet, which in quite Henry VIII fashion, he actually breaks and the French man sees him clean shaven. Anyway, it was like the thought that counts. So they began to plan their meeting in February 1519 and this is planned by Sir Thomas Boleyn and Sir Richard Wingfield who were sent off to Paris to get the meeting going. Now this whole Field of the Cloth of Gold meeting, it's not very popular in England. So Catherine of Aragon, most of the nobility and a lot of the general public were really opposed to it. But it was just like really, really endorsed by Cardinal Thomas Wolsey. And you can sort of see why they would be opposed to it. I mean, to them, they're not really getting to experience any of this grandeur that is happening at this event. It's happening in France. It's just costing England a load of money, and they're not going to even get to view this field of the cloth of gold event. It's just a bit underwhelming. The planning goes well, and in the summer of 1520, Henry set sail for France in a ship called the Great Harry. He brings 4,000 advisors and they meet with Francis. They meet, it's like Ardres, 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 <laughs> which is near Calais and Gaines. <laughs> Basically, Francis is really nice and he lets them meet on what was then English territory, which is pretty gracious of him. Yeah. As it is. It is hard, and there's actually a story that he turned up and pretended to be Henry's prisoner, just like again to keep it friendly, yeah, and to like make Henry feel safe. And there was a whole thing where he had to promise to not have any troops stationed in the nearby towns because obviously Henry didn't feel super secure coming to France. But in total, both of the king's entourages separately. There were 6,000 people on each side, and this was like nobility, servants, households, 
And they made it, like, they especially emphasised that all the most beautiful women on both sides should be there. Um, bit uh, weird. But it's understandable, you know. They I don't to want ugly women around You want me. to have the most beautiful woman on your side. You Imagine. That. And especially with, this was actually when a lot of the English women first saw French fashion. So... You got to imagine that the English women are going over in like their high necks and quite, quite chaste, mm-hmm. quite modest, quite modest outfits, and they're seeing like these illustrious French women who are like, you know, a bit more than that, a square neckline. And I think they take a lot of that back to England, which is like the first time you get a bit of change. Anyway, other notable attendees, you got people like Thomas More, Charles Brandon, Sir William Parr. Thomas Manners and bishops. So I think three bishops in total went, one of them being John Fisher. Actually at Arges, the Vale of Arges. <laughs> I'm going to spell it for you because I'm trying to say it so you can hear all the letters. Oh. A-D-R-E-S. But I'm just going to say it Arges because uh. I think that's what it is. Adres? No. That's, no. that's definitely not French. The Vale of Arges, anyway. It was really like very expensive decorations. So they had pavilions, palaces, towers, gateways. They had fake lakes with bridges and they had a fountain of wine or fountains of wine, sorry. But it was like in true English fashion, the weather kind of ruined it and there was super violent wind. <laughs> so the big tents kind of collapsed and there was thunder and rain, which disrupted all the events. Henry liked to match his, liked to match his setting. So he was dressed in fine gold and bullion, don't know. Yeah. But you have to imagine how much this costed, especially since the celebration lasted 17 days. And there were so many people there. And there was like jousting, feasting, they fought in costumes. And basically the whole thing was Henry and Francis trying to outdo each other in like how good their entertainment mm. could be. It was sort stuff. of just like, uh, who, who's going to host match the better? Yeah. There's a story that at one point, Henry grabbed Francis's arm and said, brother, let's wrestle. And then Francis hooks his leg round Henry Ooh. and Henry just like goes pushed to the ground. Yeah. And he gets really embarrassed. Obviously, that's probably just a story, but I think it shows the way Henry was seen at this. It yeah. was like Henry trying to catch up to Francis because Francis was younger than Henry. He was young. And probably more athletic, even though Henry was quite athletic. He's still, you've still got to think about the lifestyle he was living. Sure, he'd be doing tennis and jousting and everything, but, you know... It wasn't like he was running marathons or anything. And sometimes it is just some people have more natural athletic ability. Yeah. And France maybe did. But it does feel like Henry's trying to ca- play catch-up with this. He doesn't feel like Henry's dominating it. Even though it's all so performative, it's like all just like for fun in a way. But it means so much more to them because of their egos. Um, and whilst all this is going on, you've got their menaces in the background who are trying to negotiate a strategy to basically contain Charles V. But really, like, the whole thing was just super extravagant, super out there. But it did have a lot of diplomatic meaning. Whether it, like, fulfilled that is a different question. So it was, like, firstly, it was just a way for Francis and Henry to build up a better relation. It didn't really work since Henry Mm -hmm. left super embarrassed and they just competed (laughs) the whole time. But maybe below the surface like the ministers got to work with each other they got to kind of form a common goal around charles v i think it was a a brilliant show of an idealistic situation but did it succeed well no it didn't succeed is 
Henry and Francis, they both get to kind of show off a bit. And I'm sure there are things that Henry was a bit better at. So yeah. he, they both get a bit of an ego boost. They both get to actually show their entourages that they're these big Renaissance men. But on like the other hand, it's super expensive, a huge waste of money. And then there is a bit of an argument about whether it achieved much. So you can say that it achieved very, very little. It was supposed to be like a peace talks and the peace only lasted two years. They go back to fighting in, what is it, 22? 1522? Yeah, 1522. Um, and it shows Henry is just really desperate because he's like fighting to be recognized. And then on the other hand, you can be like, oh, actually it kept the nobility happy for a bit because the nobility are obviously really dangerous. When they're rich, they've got power, but when they're poor, they're even they're like angry as well. So you've got to keep the nobility happy. And yeah, so there are good points of it. You can argue that it was a bit successful because actually the conflict in 1522 was more of an exception if you look at a longer period of time. Like if you look at kind of up until the 1540s, England and France aren't like hugely aren't fighting a lot. So you mm -hmm. can think that that was just a little conflict and that actually longer term it laid a foundation for a bit of a friendship. And also it did it did show that like England and France were united and to some extent it would also have frightened Charles V a bit to have them united against him. But also it was quite it was quite sneaky, you know? Yeah. They were quite sneaky with it. So the Venetian ambassador said, These sovereigns are not at peace, they hate each other cordially which is basically like, yeah, I think that's this hasn't such won. a good way of putting it. Sums it up. Francis has a bigger country, has a more powerful country, and is less concerned with England. So Charles V is Francis's main concern. And so the field of the cloth of gold is probably more important to England just because they're depending on France more than France is depending on England. Mm. But there is a lot of secret backroom deals going on in, throughout this whole thing. So before Henry actually even sets off to go to France, Henry met with Charles V in England, and this was almost like a mini field of cloth gold on like a small on a smaller scale. There was like dancing, feasting, negotiations. Charles got to meet Catherine of Aragon for the first mm -hmm. time, who was his aunt. Um, and actually, so that was like negotiating them. Then after the field of, of the cloth of gold. Henry met with Charles again in Calais and this was negotiating to try and get the hand of Princess Mary who had already been given to the French Dauphin, whatever. And so again, going behind Francis's back and Francis was aware of this and he's like seeing Henry's true colours, seeing this duplicity and being like, oh, this is not right. This is like <laughs> not the kind of guy I want to I wanna ally with. Yeah. But still, like, Henry's still in that mindset, like, I deserve the French throne, that's my birthright, mm -hmm. all of that. Um, and, I mean, at the end of the day, it just goes back to what we were saying at the beginning, of the, the characters of these two men. They're ambitious, yeah. self-assured, but in a negative way, very mm -hmm. full of themselves. And to expect that they would be willing to sort of put aside their differences, come together for a cordial meeting and alliance is a bit it's a bit of a stretch that that ever could have pro properly happened and i think the thing that like sums it all up 
which I find quite funny, is that at the end of it, Francis ends up fortifying Ard with the materials from the dismantled civilians <laughs> from, from the actual celebration. So he prepares for war with the equipment from his peace talks, basically. That's brilliant. Which just shows shows how effective it yeah. was. <laughs> but, you know, we did get a lot of content. Not we as in Lara and I, but the world has got a lot of content. Yeah, I think it's interesting content. how much it is written about and how, like, it is such a well-known thing. And there's the tapestry. The field yeah. of the cloth of gold tapestry. I think it's at um, Hampton Court Palace at the moment. That was last time I went. If you've been, if then this is lovely. Um, yeah, featured on the Insta. Yeah, it is really amazing. I think last time I went to Hampton Court Palace, they had a whole exhibition. Oh, I've not actually seen it. Maybe I should well, go. I'm a bit of fake fan. Yeah, <laughs> come on now. It is really yeah, that's cool. not good, is it? No. In my opinion, it was like a bit of a failure. I think that, yeah, maybe there wasn't much fighting in the kind of 30s and early 40s. But at the same time, like there was fighting straight after. And actually, in itself, what did it actually do except kind of heighten that sense of male aggression in Europe? And even the fact that, like, how much could it have st- could it have scared Charles if Charles also was negotiating with Henry on the side? So he kind of, both of them see Henry. That's quite smart of him, because both of them yeah. see Henry as their main point of call when he is, like, neither of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed. And um, <laughs> thank you so much for 3,000 downloads. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. We hope you have a good week. And we'll see you next time on Tudor Talk Time. <laughs>